Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And on today's episode of the Obsidian Knights podcast, we are at the end of A Game of Thrones. And to end out this book, we're going back to the beginning where it all started with Quinn. Hey, Quinn. Hey, it's me, Quinn's Ideas, formerly known as Ideas of Ice and Fire. How's it going? And the what is it called? The quiz, the quizats haderach. I am the quizats haderach. Yeah, Dune. remember the first time I said that to you? I was like, Cuisinart. <laughs> you were like, Great, you know, shut the fuck up. I, I pronounced quizats haderach totally weird in some of my earliest Dune videos that I've ever, ever made. I pronounced it super strange, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, you you guys know Dune is about to come out in theaters. You know Quinn is the Dune legend of YouTube. So, check out his Dune videos and also his Song of Ice and Fire videos. Aren't you covering, like, foundation and stuff, too? Yeah, I branched out into, like, a lot of different, like, mainly sci-fi stuff, like Foundation, Hyperion, um, a few other book series. And, yeah, it's just been super fun. Nice. And also, like, do, like, a lot of Lovecraft stuff. That's always good. Oh, yeah. It's always like that creep. Lovecraft is so creepy. Yeah, it's horrifying. <laughs> George R. <laughs> Martin definitely like has a lot of Lovecraft influence, I feel like. He definitely read a bunch of Lovecraft stories. There's a lot of references in A Song of Ice and Fire to the work of Lovecraft. Yes. Yes, for sure. So today we are going to be talking about our queen, Daenerys. The last chapter of Game of Thrones ends with Daenerys and it's one of the most amazing chapters in all of the books I think yeah and it's one of the most fulfilling chapters too because you have this whole book with all these like dragon symbols and all these dragon ideas and she has the eggs the whole time so I guess the question throughout the whole book and those Daenerys chapters is are these eggs going to hatch or are they really stone? Like everyone is saying, it's like up in the air because George R. Martin throughout the, over the course of this first book, he grounds everything so close to, mm-hmm. you know, reality that when, once you get to the end and you have this magic, the scene of magic being reborn into the world, it just see it was so fantastical and amazing. And it's so just satisfying to see. Yeah. And I don't care what anyone says. The way this chapter ends with, and then in the, hold on, let me get the exact wording. In the fir- for the first time, for the first time in hundreds of years, the night came alive with the music of dragons. And that's how Game of Thrones ends. And like, or yeah, a Game of Thrones. That's how a Game of Thrones ends. And when they, um, did game of thrones that scene with danny i love that scene like in the show 
I loved it. I the, thought they did a good job. The show did a really good job adapting the scene. I mean, the only thing that's really different, well, there's a, there's a few, I think, key yeah, there's a few things. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so it's like, but it, it is a really good interpretation. But let's like go over some of the differences, I guess. Um, so like her hair, her hair, like she gets like singed and all of her hair burns off, and also it's more obvious in the book than in the show that the dragons are like feeding off of her breast milk they don't really do the whole breast milk thing in the show and then also one of the different things that happens in the book versus the show is that before she lights the pyre she says to like she names blood riders and they all reject her Mm -hmm. uh essentially but then after they see the dragons born then they all bow before her and they all accept her um as blood riders um as opposed to in the show when it's just like jorah mormont being there yeah and another difference is the comet mm-hmm. like but she sees the comet before she steps before she lights the pyre mm-hmm. or is it before she lights the pyre or is it before it's she before, steps into it it's before they light it they don't yeah. light it they wait for the first star in the sky and that's the and red comet. star is the red comet That's in the show. We don't see the red comet until season two. Yeah. I think that is super significant because in the show you have the perception of the dragons are born and that brought the comet. But in the book, it's very clear the comet came and that allowed whatever magic Daenerys was working here to work. And I think this whole scene, what we're seeing is the depiction of a ritual we're seeing a spell being done, right? Yeah. Um, and it, like magic. how blood magic, and it's 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 so specific and so detailed that like really the only conclusion is like Daenerys received this knowledge in the dreams that she's been having throughout this book. Right? Yes, she did. She did, and then like Miri Mazdor's little shit she was doing like filled in some blanks for her. Absolutely, and you see that in her conversations. With Miri Mastur in this scene, Miri Mastur is like, you don't know what you're doing, girl. Like, you don't have you don't have the words. You don't have you don't know the ways to do this. You're you're a fool. But it turns out Daenerys knows more than Miri Mastur actually thinks, because like Miri Mastur is shook when Daenerys says, um, what does she say? She says, you taught me only death pays for life. Yeah. So actually, I do know a little bit more than you think bitch (laughs) (laughs) i remember what you taught me i didn't forget like what you just did like two days ago like what you guys (laughs) so let's just go through the chapter a little bit and we'll break it down as we go um because i want to talk about like the fire and like how she reacts to it when she steps into it Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just start from the beginning. Um, just the scene itself. It says the land was red and dead and parched and good wood was hard to come by. Her forgers returned with gnarled cottonwoods, purple brush, sheaves of brown grass. They took the two straightest trees, hacked the limbs and branches from them, skinned off their bark and split them, laying the logs in a square. Its center, they filled with straw, brush, bark shavings, and bundles of dry grass. So they're building Khal Drogo's funeral pile. And in the show, like, the show did a lot of shit, like, 
with the White Walkers making these symbols and then called Drogo's funeral pyre kind of looked like some kind of symbol. And like people were trying to piece it together. Like, mm-hmm. what does this mean? What does this mean? I don't really think it meant anything. I think that's like the show just did that shit. Like there in the wasn't. Sh- in the show, I don't think the funeral pyre, the construction of it really means nothing. They don't even really show the construction of the funeral pyre in the show, I don't recall. Like, whereas yeah, in the don't. book, it's very much a moment when they're like putting it together. They're doing it very specifically. Um, they're laying certain layers in different, in certain directions. Like they, one of them is from east to west. And then the third layer is eventually layered from like ice to fire, north to south. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is just so specific about it that it almost seems like, yeah, this is like, this is a very specific ritual that Daenerys is doing right now. Yeah. It 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 is. And while Danny's like doing all this stuff, she has like a Miri Mansdor watching her, as you were mm-hmm. saying. Um and she said Danny says, It is not enough to kill a horse, she told Danny. By itself, the blood is nothing. You do not have the words to make a spell, nor the wisdom to find them. Do you think blood magic is a game for children? You call me mate. You call me Magi as if it were a curse, but all it means is wise. You are a child with a child's ignorance. Whatever you mean to do, it will not work. Loose me from these these bonds and I will help you. And Danny's like, you know, I'm tired of her like talking (laughs) and like Jogo whips her and shit. Like, like fuck out of here. It's pretty brutal, but Daenerys is like pissed off. But like, there's some important stuff to dissect in what Mary Mazdur just said. She says, you don't have the words to make a spell, nor the wisdom to find them. So spells can be created. Yeah. And then she also says, you don't have have the wisdom to find a spell, but that's not true because we do know that Daenerys has somehow found this spell. So it's like, Mary Mazdor she- sees what Daenerys is doing and she's like, okay, she's she's doing some kind of magic, but she doesn't she doesn't feel like Daenerys knows exactly what she's doing. So she's like, let me help you and attempt to save her own life. Mm-hmm. But Danny's fed up with her help. Like her help has mm-hmm. brought Danny nothing but grief. But what Miri doesn't know is that Danny has been getting the dreams. Mm-hmm. Sp- specifically the Wake the Dragon dream, I feel is very, 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 very important. And it, it pushes her to actually hatch these dragons. I feel like yeah. she finds out a lot in that dream of what she needs to do. And she even says at some point in this chapter that she came close to understanding before, but now she fully understands what's necessary of her mm-hmm. to like do this spell. And yeah. Yeah. So um, like you were saying um, about the blood riders so well before i get into the blood riders so at the funeral pyre like you said they're like doing things east to west sunrise to sunset it's very intricate like they put his vest on him his horse carcass is there like the bride gifts um like that uh danny that 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 they had gave um the blood riders on her wedding day like the uh the dragon bone bow mm-hmm. um or whatever um i think they're gonna were they gonna burn them and she's like no like they're mine 
Yeah, she I'm gonna keeps keep them. them. Yeah, she keeps them. Yeah. So I th- I thought that part was interesting. Well, it, it shows you that Daenerys is kind of a force of change. And mm-hmm. that's what she's symbolized, I think, like the entire time. She's here to shake stuff up. Like the Dothraki culture is changed by the fact that Daenerys is even there. And then also by the fact later on that she leads them. Um, so yeah, she's here to shake stuff up. And it's like, you know, I know this is tradition, but maybe like, you know, it can change. Maybe it can be different. And she's coming into her own. Like um, in mm-hmm. Dance of Dragons, Illyrio says to Tyrion, um, that frightened child that was sheltered at my manse died on the Dothraki Sea. The, yeah. the woman that bears her name now is a true Targaryen. And yeah. like she, she even says that like to Jorah when Jorah's like, you know, princess or some shit and danny's like you know don't call me a princess like viserys is dead he was your king i'm your queen now yeah and jor's like my queen <laughs> like jor's such a fucking creep it's her stepping up and like kind of taking charge and like asserting herself yeah and, you know you know she's at this point she's like taking the power and she's asserting what she is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she is she is and when so I have this like really intricate theory about the house of the undying but when they give her like those titles one of the titles they give her is daughter of death and they show her a picture of Viserys and they show her a picture of Rhaegar and they show her a picture of called Drogo I think or Mm -hmm. Rhaegar no it's Rhaegar it's Viserys Rhaegar and Rhaegar Mm -hmm. and I think think like that daughter of death is Daenerys because these people have died Viserys Rhaegar and Rhaegar that Daenerys has inherited their titles so right here she's like inherited like she's the last Targaryen she's Mm -hmm. queen she has inherited that from Viserys when it comes to Rhaegar like Rhaegar was supposed to be the stallion who mounts the world but I feel like Daenerys inherited that title Mm -hmm. you could say Drogon Daenerys and Rhaegar was supposed to be the prince that was promised or whatever and I feel like Daenerys has inherited that title because I feel like she checks every fucking box for Azor Ahai like if Azor Ahai and the prince that was promised is the same thing I feel like it's Danny. yeah I like what you said about her inheriting that from them because she is like the last of a dead dynasty yeah you know what I mean so it's like the daughter of death yes yeah it's interesting and like the other uh, title she gets is like slayer of lies Mm -hmm. and there's one more i can't remember right off the top of my head what it was and it's like all of these scenarios fit her but also the house of the undying is a tricky 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 uh place yeah because george R. R. martin points out that prophecy is treacherous yes so he's intentionally like undoubtedly throwing in some red herrings and you know, like misdirecting us in a few ways. So it's it still remains the 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 jury is still out on the meanings of certain things for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just actually rereading, you know, um, about like Drogo's funeral pyre was fucking enormous. Actually, yeah, like it had three levels. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, um, it's saying dry leaves and twigs. It's covered in dry leaves and twigs. They laid them north to south from ice to fire and piled them high with soft cushions and sleeping silks. The sun had begun to lower toward the west by the time they were done. Danny called the Dothraki around her. Fewer than a hundred left. How many had Aegon started with? She wondered. It did not matter. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's coming into her fucking own. Like she's, she's like looking at herself as Aegon the Conqueror. Yeah. She's comparing herself and thinking, I think she understands on, on some kind of instinctual level that this night, this place is where legends are being made. Yeah. I think, I think, I think she realizes that realizes that if what she is planning on doing tonight in hatching these dragons, if it succeeds, this moment, this event will change the course of history, will completely change the world. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, she's thinking about Aegon. And like his impact on the world. And, and, she, and yeah, she's making that comparison to herself. Yeah. Because yep. it is similar. It is. And like this whole lead up to this moment has been her like, <clears throat> we see her since her marriage to Khal Drogo, like being, having these dreams of dragons. Like the first, the first uh, dream she has is the night before her wedding where she dreams of the black dragon, which is, I believe is Drogon. Um, But also she takes like, she has this mantra, like I'm blood of the conqueror. I'm blood of the dragon. I'm blood of Mm -hmm. Aegon. And like, she draws strength from that throughout all of her chapters. Mm -hmm. And now we're finally at the point where she's like, I'm going to be Aegon. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have these dragons I've been dreaming about. Like I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe you're right. Like she knows that this is going to be life changing and not just life changing for her, but for everyone in the world. Mm-hmm. Like she's about to do something. Nobody thinks that she can do. It's, it's a miracle. Yeah. Perform a miracle. It is a miracle. And it is something that nobody thinks she can do. It's something that like, you know, the people around her don't, they're not even sure if this is like, right. And I think a lot of people, a lot of the people that are like watching like the Dothraki and the crowd are very confused. Like they Jogo, think she crazy. She, yeah, they're like, what is this crazy woman doing? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. Like, are we going to get out of the desert? Like, what's happening? And so it, even like, okay, so she says to Jogo, um, uh, she, what does she say? She turned to the three young warriors of her cause. Jogo, to you, I give the silver-handed whip. That was my bride gift. And name you Ko. And asked your oath that you will live and die as blood of my blood, riding at my side to keep me safe from harm. Shogo took the whip from her hands, but his face was confused. Khaleesi, he said hesitantly, this is not done. It would shame me to be blood rider to a woman. So mm. it's like, it's like that what she's doing is completely unconventional. This isn't something that's just like normal. I mean, a funeral pyre, sure. But like what she's doing here in her actions definitely seem like odd to everyone else. Yeah, definitely against their culture for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, she's been doing a lot that's against their culture. Like the whole thing with Miri Mazdor and the blood yeah. magic. And like props to like Jogo and Agu and like the 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 Dothraki blood riders that she does wind up with after they see what mm-hmm. she can do because they haven't really abandoned her. yeah. I like they really like her yeah and and so props to them like for that but also like she kind of like frees everybody like take mm-hmm. off your collars like all I all I see is slaves like 
but if you stay you'll be like brothers and sisters husbands and wives and they're like they have no expression to that yeah because it's almost like they don't even believe understand yeah i think they're thinking how can you guarantee this like we're just gonna we're gonna go off and like some other calistar are gonna make us slaves like they're like how can you guarantee this to us i feel like is probably what they're thinking how can you keep us safe right and do the things that you say you do but daenerys really does in this chapter just by being here she's heralding like a new age Mm -hmm. Uh, this is an entirely new era with the birth of these dragons with all of this so like even though these people don't realize it, like things are getting ready to change significantly. Yeah. So what they, like their, from their culture, like only a man can lead a Kalasar. And Mm -hmm. and men are are the strength and men are the brawn and women are uh, inferior. Yeah. So to them, it's like "Eh, this woman, but like, nah, this is not just any woman. This is, a supreme like i i look at Dana- daenerys as a supreme being almost mm-hmm. almost godlike even if you if you um watch how when miri masdor first meets danny like she calls her i think she calls her like silver lady or something mm-hmm. like that and it's like mm-hmm. okay like you're giving you giving like she has all these titles and and names and i feel like years like if Westeros was a real fucking place, Essos was like, if we're talking real world, like years and years and years could go by and everyone everywhere will know her name. Mm-hmm. Like she will be like a legendary figure in history, like Bran the Builder, like uh, Garth the Greenhand, Land the Clever, like, and, and even more, more so heroic than them. Yeah, I mean- yeah, I think George R. Barton was definitely like considering like how Daenerys would be viewed as far as like the long view of history is concerned. Mm-hmm. Like everything that she does in the East over the course of such a short amount of time, all of these events are going to be like turned into myths and legends. And you already see the beginning of that by the time you get to, you know, like the fourth book where you have people like discussing all of, all of the different things that Daenerys has done. And it already seems incredible to them. Mm-hmm. So like all of these events being distorted over time by history and becoming more and more mythicized over time. Yeah. People are going to look back and there's going to people, there's going to be people that look back and view Daenerys as a tyrant. There's going to be people that look back and view Daenerys and worship her. Almost yes. certainly. Yes. I mean, because like she 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 came over and she kind of completely destabilized the slave trade. And she was already like right here in this chapter, you see like the formation, the beginning of this kind of this kind of messiah figure that yes. Daenerys begins to grow into. This is like the root of it here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I think um a lot of a lot of why she is she would be viewed as a tyrant by a lot of people is because she she does good things free and slaves great thing but to the other side it's not a good thing so whoever ends up on top 
at the end of all of this, we'll write the history. Mm-hmm. And if it's not Danny, it'll probably be very misconstrued because like it's like things like word of mouth is already so misconstrued about Danny. I think they say like mm-hmm. she like bathes in the blood to keep her beauty and like like mm-hmm. there's weird rumors that are spreading through Essos about her. And like I was saying the other day on um, Direwolf City that I feel like Ariane Martell is not going to like Danny because Quentin got burned up by Danny's dragons and like yeah whatever the dragons do Danny's going to be responsible for it even if she has nothing yeah. to do with it <laughs> you're right they represent her so yeah. the dragons being loose on the city after she like flew away in the dragon way later on dance with dragons yeah all of this is just reflecting back on Daenerys and people anything that the dragons do how are people not gonna know how are people gonna know that like oh she didn't command it to do that Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's always going to be on her, no matter what. Yes, yes, exactly. So, as we continue in this chapter, Danny gets a hot ass, scalding ass bath. You know, hot water doesn't bother her. So she loves it. Actually, <laughs> she loves hot water. Most Targaryens do. Most Targaryens mm-hmm. love hot water. They're not immune to fire. No, they're not immune to fire. But Targaryens do seem to have a certain immunity to some illnesses yeah it does seem like it yeah it but like targaryens have died from illnesses like jaharis's daughter yeah the first gets sick at the last at the end of a dance with dragons yeah but she seems but she seems to say like when she like goes and lays hands on the guy she's like you know sure how long have you known me i've never been sick i don't get sick <laughs> like so it seems like they are resistant yeah they do have some kind of resistance towards disease mm-hmm. the fire burns it all away <laughs> yeah maybe they have fire in their blood a little bit but like she's not fireproof she's not no fireproof. and that's one of the differences between the show and the book like the show definitely depicts it as like, okay, if she's immune to fire, whereas here it's very clear that this is a spell that is being performed. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a spell. It's definitely a ritual. It's definitely a miracle. It's definitely like a once in a lifetime event. Um, it's not that she can just walk into fire and be immune to it targaryens aren't immune to fire like we've seen targaryens die in fires this this was after like the dragon eggs incubating next to her for months and months i think that was a part of it though Mm -hmm. because like she would touch those eggs and she would like feel things yeah she'd feel things inside of them and she was like they were not only were these dragon eggs like was she like putting them in the pyre and having candles lit by them? But like she was had them riding on the back of a cart with the sun like beating down on them. She knew instinctively. Yep. Yep. She was like, I feel a dragon in here. Like they're reaching out to each instinct. other. Yes. Yes. So they um they bathed Danny up. Um like she's all like sore like she's just had a fucking baby like Mm -hmm. um and a crazy fever dream crazy fever dream like she was just a part of like her baby was just like taken in some kind of blood magic ritual like her like breast milk is like 
coming out of her breast her breasts are all uh swollen and shit like it's mm-hmm. just it's a lot <laughs> like she's having a rough day she's like oh my god yes and then, like, so she sends all her handmaids away, and she's like, you know, like, I need to prepare Drogo for his final ride into the Nightlands. So, like, she washes him and um, brushes and oils his hair. Like, it's so fucking sad. Because she's, what, 13, 14? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, she's half, she's in the middle of a fucking, like, desert grassland or whatever trying to like prepare her husband for his Mm -hmm. funeral also by the way i'm gonna hatch dragons i'm gonna have hatch dragons and i'm going to um i'm gonna hatch dragons and i'm going to step into this fire and she's not even 100 percent sure that it's absolutely gonna work right and it's like just by the fact that she was drogo's wife she's a target Just by the fact that she was his wife, she's got like a mark on her head. And then she looks completely different from the people in the area. So she's going to stand out. Like there's so many potential things that could go wrong from this point on because of the fact that he's dead and not around to protect her anymore. Yep. Yep. And Danny, like, I really thought this was sad when she's like, forgive me, my son and stars. Forgive me for all I have done and all I must do. I paid Mm -hmm. the price, my star but it was too high, too high. Mm-hmm. And then like she braids him, braids his hair, puts his bells in his hair, gets him dressed. Like it's so fucking sad. Cause like, she's just lost her baby. Now she's got to burn her husband. Like she's desperate. Like what she's about to do is desperation. And I feel like a lot of people um, when they critique Danny, they always say like, oh yeah, well she has dragons. Of course, like she's powerful. She has dragons. Like <coughs> you Sacrifice. fucking, you fucking go walk in a fire. You go in walk order, into a fire. In order for her to get to this point, she had to go through the crucible and lose everything that was important to her. Yes. Everything had to be stripped away and taken before she could get to this point. So there was definitely a trade-off, definitely a sacrifice. She had to give up the child and she had to give up love. So it's like, there, there was, she, she lost a lot here too. She's not, whole, she's not whole even after the dragons are born. There is still something missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. And you know, and because because she's still on the search for the house with the red door, she's still- Absolutely. She's still um, not knowing what her purpose is. Like she feels she knows what her purpose is, but when she gets to Marine, I feel like she loses focus on her goal. What her initial, like what she set out to do, she kind of lose fo- loses focus on it, mm-hmm. or not not even just loses focus on it, but gets confused because on one hand, like she wants to go home. But on the other hand, she doesn't want to leave Marine to like suffer some crazy fate. And also like she like I don't even think she understands where home is. She doesn't. Like the concept of home for her is just some like vague idea. It's just like this idea of a red door that like might as well not exist anywhere or could exist anywhere. It's just a place where she's safe 
and you know has family and just like feels like she doesn't have to keep running and feels like she doesn't have to keep like avoiding death it's just like a place where she can finally just like you know lay down roots (laughs) lay down roots and breathe yeah but like for danny like i don't like really talk about the show but i want to talk about the show for one second because i think it was in season seven of game of thrones when danny like comes home to dragonstone it's like an episode two like she's like in dragonstone she's at the cha- in the chamber of the painted table and she's looking at the painted table and she's like this is supposed to be home like it doesn't really feel like it and i feel like you've never lived there i feel like that but i feel like it's it's gonna be kind of she's gonna have those kind of accurate like book feelings like a lot yeah. of what she tries to do to get to westeros is like this house with the red door this childhood that she never knew this like this dynasty that her family built but mm-hmm. when she gets there i do not feel like it's going to fill that hole that is inside of her that thing that she's been looking for which is just safety and comfort and not having to to worry and and think and like like you know how like when you go to work like you have a like mm-hmm. like say during the week you have to go to work you like you you got all these things to do and like you really just want a day where you don't have to do anything. Daenerys mm-hmm. never gets any days like that. She's yeah. in a, she's like constantly on the move, place to place to yeah. place to place to place. She never has anywhere to like lay down roots. And even when she tries to do that in Marine, like she kind of fails. Like, like yeah, everything goes to shit. I think okay, so Danny has these ideas in her head that she like has to restore the Targaryen dynasty that she has to sit on the iron throne but she's never really like stopping to question why she feels like she needs to do that right Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the reasons why she wants to do that are based on like because of the way she was raised with Viserys and and that's all he ever talked about he made it seem like that was the most important thing ever and that they only existed to restore the Targaryen dynasty even though that might not even be necessarily what she wants like like we said what she actually wants is a little bit of goddamn peace yeah maybe she doesn't actually want to rule over everything Mm -hmm. you know I mean that's a lot of responsibility for anybody but especially like a teenage girl and I think she doesn't she say it like that wasn't my dream like that was Viserys's dream like all I, think I she ever made wanted something of that to the effect I all I ever wanted was a house with the red door but like she's been like yeah she just wants some fucking peace and the last time she remembers that is at the house with the red door and that's why it's significant to, to her everything since then has been like like yeah. a bunch of people trying to manipulate them and turning them kill away them. and being beggars to kill them it's just been like non-stop like oh my fucking god can i get can a I fucking get a break, break? <laughs> <Yes>. like, <laughs> jesus i'm like 13 guys i'm not like uh. <laughs> poor poor danny <laughs> so jorah like as the chapter continues jorah um she tells jorah like to put the dragon eggs in there jorah's like no like fuck are you talking about like we could sell them and you'd be a wealthy woman forever and she says they were not given to me to sell and she climbs on the pyre herself to place the eggs around her sun and stars the -hmm. black beside his heart under his arm the green beside his head, his braid coiled around it, the cream and gold down between his legs. 
When she kissed him for the last time, Danny could taste the sweetness of the oil on his lips. As she climbed down off the pyre, she noticed Miriam Mazdor watching her. You are mad, the god's wife said hoarsely. Is it so far from madness to wisdom? Danny asked. Sajora, take this. Is it Magi or Meiji? I say Meiji. Okay. Sajora, take this Meiji and bind her to the pyre. To the, my queen, no, hear me. Do as I say. Still, he hesitated until her anger flared. You swore to obey me, whatever might come. Ricaro, help him. So, Miri Mazdor, she's like, doesn't, just goes along with it. Like, she doesn't fight it. Yeah, because I think she's kind of resigned to whatever fate mm-hmm. she wants. Like, now that she's like got her revenge on Cal um, Drogo. Yes. But um, it's interesting here. Jorah is freaking the flip out. He's like, oh, God, like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Like, why are you doing this? Don't worry. Because I think he can see that she's going to climb onto the pyre. Yeah. But he doesn't exactly know why. I think he might think it's like some kind of suicide thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, 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 that's not what she's actually doing. No. She is doing a spell. And she thanks Mary Mazdor. She's like, I thank you, Mary Mazdor, for the lessons you have taught me. And Mary's like, you will not hear me scream. And Danny's like, I will, bitch. <laughs> but it's not your screams I want. Only your life. <laughs> That's one of the best lines. I'm so happy they kept that in the show. Yes. It's not your screams I want, only your life. I remember what you told me. Only death can pay for life. Mary Mastur opened her mouth but made no reply. As she stepped away, Danny saw the contempt was gone. The contempt was gone from the Meiji's flat black eyes and its place was something that might have been fear. So she's scared now. She realizes that, okay, maybe this girl actually does kind of know what she's doing somehow. Yeah. And she knows, like, she knows what she's about to unleash on the world. Three fucking dragons. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, she has to know. Like, she sees her putting the eggs on the pyre. Like, she know, like she has to know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And that's probably scary because when she... What did she say about Rago? He would have been the stallion who mounts the world. Now he will have now no... Will, trample no... What, what is it? Now he'll trample no Kalasar. He's something. Now he'll he won't cause immense destruction, basically. Yeah, well, guess again, bitch. <laughs> guess what? <laughs> Actually, we're gonna use you to fuel the birth of these dragons. <laughs> so and they're going to uh, trample nations into dust. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um after all that's been done, now they need to look for the first star. So it says, when a horse lord dies, his horse is slain with him, so he might ride proud into the nightlands. The bodies are burned beneath the open sky, and the call rises on his fiery steed to take his place among the stars. The more fiercely the man burned in life, the brighter his star will shine in the darkness. And there, he said in a hushed voice, this is Jogo. Danny looked and saw it low in the east. The first star was a comet burning red blood red fire red the dragon's tail she could not have asked for a stronger sign so this is like some fucking cosmic event where like what what is that saying like all the stars align all the stars needed to align for this to happen well that's if danny did receive like knowledge on how to do this ritual from some other place some people then it seems likely that they did it like 
by lining everything up with like this comic coming. You know what I mean? I mean, like there's mention of lots of different, there's like lots of little Easter eggs. Like we talked, we like briefly talked about how George R. R. Martin was inspired by Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. So in Lovecraft, there's the church of the starry wisdom. And there's also the church of the starry wisdom that like pops up a few times in certain like bits of a song of ice and fire lore. Mm-hmm. So like people like Quaithe and Marwin might be associated with the church of the starry wisdom. So if Quaithe like was sending Daenerys knowledge maybe like she or whoever she's like doing it with like this, this organization or whatever maybe they're responsible for setting it up so the nearest could be like here at this place at this time specifically so that she could make this happen yeah i mean that that would make sense and also like <laughs> the birth of the antichrist very much mm-hmm. so happens like this <laughs> very much what happens like this in the bible like there, there's like a the, the star and the woman and the dragon devouring the woman's son and then the woman going off into the desert like it's it's kind of like hectic but i like um lml's like theory or explanation where well not moon meteors but <laughs> but where he talks about um remember like a long time ago we we had all we did a me you and and lml had did a podcast on the birth of dragons um mm-hmm. well it was about the wake the dragon dreams and he was talking about you know the legend one of the legends about how the dragons were born is like the moon wandered cl- too close to the sun and out came a thousand thousand dragons mm-hmm. and then daenerys is called moon of my life and drogo is sun and stars and they got close together and then dragons came forth so i like that like analogies like that or um mm-hmm. symbolism like that and i think i don't think like that's like a coincidence at all no i mean yeah because she even says when she's walking into the pyre this is wedding too Yes. Maybe a wedding between the moon and the sun. The, the sun. And then, like, even later in this chapter, when she hears the eggs start to break open, she says the last one was as loud as the breaking of the world. Yes. So, I mean, I feel like, yeah, all of that, like, I think kind of like symbolizes the same thing, like the moon and the sun and cracking and then the dragons coming out. And then, like, it doesn't have to be the Church of the Starry Wisdom either. That's mm-hmm. like doing all the manipulation. It could just be like the ethereal powers that be yeah. have like led Daenerys to this place in time. It's just like a fate thing. And, you know, kind of like how the wheel of time, you, you have people that are Talvirians. So like it's like the wheel weaves itself around these people and certain things are just fated to happen at certain points in time. So maybe it was like that. Um, I remember me and you talking about this before and it was during the wake the dragon dream and while she was dreaming that dream you had pointed out that she had felt something cold on her neck Mm -hmm. and we had talked about the possibility like could it be blood raven could it be Mm -hmm. like like some great other motherfucker like who could it be because it seemed so out of place in the dream she's running from it yeah it's like she's running and the icy breath is on the back of her neck. And it's like, I've got to get away from it. It's like almost like throughout a Game of Thrones, it's like two distinct forces that have been pulling on Daenerys, trying to get her to pull in different ways. Like this icy force 
and this this force of fire this this thing that's the exact opposite yes. and so by the end of it fire won over and so she's she's walking up to the pyre and she's like how did i not know the fire is within me the fire has always been inside me so it's mm-hmm. like yeah so by this time she's filled with fire and the fireside won over so yeah yeah and she says that like she says um she had sensed the truth long ago mm-hmm. danny thought as she took a step closer to the conflagration but the brazier had not been hot enough. So she's, I think she's talking about after her poisoning, after they tried to poison her, when she runs back and like asks for the egg and then she puts the egg in the brazier and like mm-hmm. tries to like see with that hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that the, the flames had withered before her, like the women that danced at her wedding, whirling and, oh, no, 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 no. That's something else. She's talking about the actual fire she's watching now. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, yeah, that she describes that like a wedding. Mm-hmm. The flames danced at her like her wedding, whirling and singing and spinning their yellow and orange and crimson veils, fearsome to behold, yet lovely, so lovely, alive with heat. Danny so, opened her arms to them, her skin flushed and glowing. This is a wedding, too. So that's what you're talking about, Boone. Yeah. The wedding, too. And then after this point, from Danny's perspective, the flames start to take on like magical seeming characteristics. Yeah. Like shapes, like like fire lions and all of, and like unicorns. And, and so it, 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 I can't help but be like put in the mind of, you know, Melisandre talking about things taking shape in the flames. It's, it's only indicative of the fact that magic is occurring now. Magic is moving. And it also hints at the fact that magic in a song of ice and fire is elemental, you mm-hmm. know, earth, air, water, fire. It, it you know, you, these you need it's elemental. The magic in this world comes from those types of outlets. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but she does see like she sees some pretty weird shit. Like she sees fishes and foxes, monsters, wolves, and bright birds, and trees. flowering trees. And that does kind of remind me remind me of like melisandre like i wonder if there's some like fucking hidden message in there like <laughs> there probably is but mm-hmm. she but she sees like the horse she sees the stallion she sees called drogo like, she, she actually sees him like take off into the sky at some point yeah like mount a horse and like his soul goes up into the sky she sees that and like it's his whip that like cracks the egg. Mm-hmm. Um, cracks the Drogo. It cracks Drogon. I mean, yeah, Drogon. Like, so that's like that's that's so it like it's almost like a part of him became Drogon. It's very very interesting. Yeah, um, and I think what what is it? Sir Jorah is like freaking out. Like all the Dothraki yeah. are freaking out. Horses are freaking out. Sir Jorah's freaking out. And Sir Jorah's like, Danny. And he's like cussing. And um, she's like, no. She wanted to shout to him. No, my good knight. Do not fear for me. The fire is mine. I am Daenerys Stormborn, daughter of dragons, bride of dragons, mother of dragons. Don't you see? Don't you see? With a belch of flame and smoke that reached 30 feet into the sky, the pyre collapsed and came down around her. Unafraid, Danny stepped forward into the firestorm, calling to her children. 
and that's where and that's where it says talks about the third crack and breaking the world which kind of reminds me like of the hammer of the waters exactly yeah like it's that was a great magical feat as well so it's like it's it's like a comparison in significance so like tremendous magic had to have been required to break the arm of Dorne and to create the marshlands so like it's pointing out this as well is tremendous magic this magic is as loud and as sharp as the breaking of the world so yeah (laughs) that's really really interesting and I think he's probably trying to parallel those two for sure absolutely um did you want to read from um when the fire died at last like to end it out like okay yeah yeah when the fire died at last the ground became cool enough to walk upon sir jora mormont found her amidst the ashes surrounded by blackened logs and bits of glowing ember and the burnt bones of man and woman and stallion she was naked covered with soot her clothes turned to ash her beautiful hair all crisped away yet she was unhurt the cream, gold, the cream and gold dragon was suckling at her left breast, the green and bronze at the right. Her arms cradled them close. The black and scarlet beast was draped across her shoulders, its long, sinuous neck coiled under her chin. When it saw Jorah, it raised its head and looked at him with eyes as red as coals. Wordless, the knight fell to his knees. The men of her kas came up behind him. Jogo was the first to lay his arak at her feet. Blood of my blood, he murmured, pushing his face to the smoking earth. Blood of my blood, she heard Ago echo. Blood of my blood, Ricaro shouted. After that, and after them came her handmaidens, and then the others, all Dothraki men and women and children. And Danny had only to look at their eyes to know that, can I turn the page? They were hers now, today and tomorrow and forever. Hers as they had never been Drogo's. As the nearest Targaryen rose to her feet, her black hissed, pale smoke venting from its mouth and nostrils. The other two pulled away from her breast and added their voices to the call, translucent wings unfolding and stirring the air. And for the first time in hundreds of years, the night came alive with the music of dragons. Yes! It gave me the chills. That was the end of the I fucking, lost it. I fucking lost it i was like what george r. r martin are you fucking playing i love this series now i'm gonna read all these books i was crazy yes. because like it's like 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 we said in the beginning he does such a good job of like grounding you i'm like okay this is serious like it's like game of thrones the first book is fantasy but like low-key low-key fantasy you get like the white walkers in the beginning but it's like super like grounded like people aren't like doing magic tricks and killing each other you know what i mean and then like like, when you go ahead when you see her have the dragons at the end you're like it's just like oh it's all real the legends are true and it's like the world just opens up in a way it's like possibilities so like if the dragons if the legends of the dragons were true what other legends are true and georgia martin has been like pointing to like little things talking about little things throughout the book so it just like makes it you you become so excited for the next book like what the hell is that comment what the hell was all that shit in the fire how did she get these dragons it's just so good it's so good yeah because a a game of thrones like you're saying it's kind of low magic for real and Mm -hmm. then like all the legends and stories like you have 
from the very first chapter. So the prologue, you get the White Walkers. But then from then on, like you have like Tyrion, like, oh, Grumpkins and Smocks. And like mm-hmm. um, Ned, oh, they're like Crib Tales. And Maester Lewin, who's supposed to be like the most, like the Maester's supposed to be these smart motherfuckers are like, uh, these people never fucking existed. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, you're constantly talked down. Like, you're shown this magic event, and then like children of the constantly... forest. Yeah. Like, uh... And then it's like so much other shit going on that kind of has your attention. Like, Ned Stark going off to King's Landing, and like yeah, because oh, that shit. first book is just like intrigue and like the mystery of like you know the the Lannister bloodline and it's like all of this it gets tied up and you kind of have like Daenerys like this exotic princess far in the east kind of like disconnected from everything else and you're following her storyline as well but like um yeah it's just like just seeing this other side of magic because you know you have like what's going on with the White Walkers and whatnot in the north mm-hmm. and stuff but just seeing this other side of magic is just like so incredibly fulfilling after all of this like dragons being mentioned and like it's like they were long ago and they've been gone and it's just like it's like the story you feel the change coming like you feel the change that's coming in the next book because like you know that the world you you because we've throughout the book we've learned that dragons were such an immense destructive force for the world well they had the potential to be but they were immense you know weapons of power you know what i mean They, they, they like if you had a dragon you could conquer the entire world and she mm-hmm. now has three three and and like reading this you don't know what's going to become of these dragons we don't know how fast they grow so it's like what's going to happen in the next book it's just like the way the possibilities open up it's just so exciting for like people that love like reading yeah there's no better way he could have ended it ended mm-hmm. a game of thrones than with those dragons being born the music of dragons yes so we are finished a game of thrones we are oh my gosh (laughs) i want to thank you so much for starting obsidian nights with me and for coming on for this chapter we're definitely gonna have you on for some more chapters whenever clash of kings yes clash kings is up next so you're gonna be doing patch face next oh yeah the prologue (laughs) that's That's a fucking amazing prologue though that's a great prologue like that's one of my favorites that one is i really like the feast one with pate i think i think oh it's like it's 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 a toss-up between george r martin's prologues like that first one's really good all of them the patch face one is so good the patch face one is so good but then the the fist of the first men that was just like oh my god yeah with uh chet was it chet <laughs> Ooh, yeah chet <laughs> with all his boils <laughs> oh my god yeah but it's been such a pleasure i'm so proud of you like getting through the whole book like it's so impressive thank you and i'm proud of you and i cannot wait to read sadia i'm a low-key yeah i already read it y'all <laughs> my graphic novel <laughs> yes um if you didn't know quinn has a graphic novel coming out called tadia it's a fantasy graphic novel about witches right about witches all sorts of witchcraft stuff um it takes place in this fantasy world that i made up and yeah you can check out somewhere some links somewhere i'm sure yeah but send me your links i'll put i'll put them well i'll link your channel you have like trailers and stuff for Tadia. it's all up there Mm-hmm. All right. Well, 
All right, guys, I'll see you when we do a Clash of Kings. Have a good day. Bye, guys.